This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen. Access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 221. We're recording this live February 14th, 2015, (laughs) also known as Valentine's Day. And also known if we don't do a very quick version of this, uh, it will lead to a very quick divorce. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in frigid minus 38 degree celsius temperature ottawa ontario canada and with me as always the intrepid traveler lord of location yes where are you this it time, is asif? it is asif khan uh, of the location-based marketing association i am actually on holiday with the family in the dominican republic Punta Cana. Uh, so yes Punta Cana. Live from Putacana. That is an Live actual, real palm tree behind a seed con there. It is. It is. Uh, Look, I can touch it. Oh, yeah. Now he's just bragging. Uh, you know, <laughs> is there a 60-degree temperature sw- swing between where I am and where you are? Pretty much, yeah. It's. Uh, I hear it's like minus 30, roughly where you guys are yeah. and uh, in, in Toronto, and it's about plus 30 here. Yeah. Just under that. 8 in the morning there, 7 in the morning here, Eastern Standard Time here. It's brutal. I don't even know why I'm doing this episode with you. It's raining at least. Yeah, it doesn't say that. matter. It doesn't matter. All right, so we're going to try to get through this episode because Asif is on the lobby Wi-Fi, which is probably siphoning all his credit cards right now and buying everybody that, that thief knows some beautiful roses for Valentine's Day. So we're going to get through this as quickly as we can. we got five great stories that we're going to cover. we got a, a guest uh, in RJ uh, Tallier from Geofedia, who's the VP of Product Management. We've also got a special appearance by Chuck Martin, who's going to talk to us about one story that we, we're not going to cover, but he's going to cover for us, which is uh, Groupon getting into beacons. So we've got all that to get through, and hopefully the Wi-Fi holds up. Hopefully the Wi-Fi holds up. Are you ready for this to see? Do you have any announcements that you want to make uh, from the LBMA's perspective before we get into it? You know, all I want to say this week is is we had a fantastic uh, you know, time through Europe, and uh, it ended with a, a great launch of the uh, the Stockholm chapter. Met some fan- some great companies. We're going to talk about one of the uh, one one of the stories uh, from that uh, on the show today. But I want I want to say thanks to to the folks there, and and, and I got two things to show. I don't know if you can see this, Rob, but I don't know if you can tell what that is. Looks like a bracelet. It, it's it's a bracelet, but it's a bracelet made out of um, uh, you know climbing line basically. Secure. It's a secure li- security line. So you can unravel this thing. Uh, you know when you're in a in a tough situation, and uh, it was used by the military. It's apparently a uh, a popular thing around the world now. But uh, during World War II, the uh, soldiers had these things, and if you were in a tough spot, you could unravel this thing, and you had basically a you know, a line that you could use to, to do whatever. Um, and it's a local product, uh, Swedish product, that I was presented with. And uh, from a, it's, uh, it was bought from a store called Haglofs uh, in Sweden. So thanks, thanks for that, guys. Um, and then um, another thing I want to show, which is uh, one of the Beacon companies that I met while I was there, is a company called Shopjoy. And a uh, great name, love, love the name. 
met the uh, uh, one of the founders is uh, his name is Pear, and the other founder, by the way, is is also named Pear P E R. So I, I call them Pear Squared. Uh, and, <laughs> a pair uh, of pears. <laughs> yeah. A pair of pears. Pear Squared. Um, so yeah, they have a company called Shop Joy. They got beacons. Um, what's cool about these guys is they're in all aspects of it. So they make the beacons. Uh, they deploy the beacons. They have the management software platform, cloud platform uh, for that, and analytics. So they're doing all of it, not just one component of that. Uh, they're working and uh, doing a lot of great tests with H&M and other, other folks in Sweden, as you might expect. Uh, so that's their beacon right there, Shopjoy. Shop Very cool. Uh, yeah. So cool branding. So there you go, Sweden. Lots going on over there and, and more to talk about. I thought the first thing you showed us was a scrunchie. For your long yeah. flowing yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't really quite have the hair for that. Doesn't quite cut it. Yeah. No. no. No, you don't have the hair for it. It's okay. Well, I'm glad that it went well so well, and then you decided to pack up your family and head to Punta Cana for a long, deserved, overdue vacation in the in the heat. So we're gonna obviously yeah. we're gonna try to get this in. Um, you, you don't have anything that's coming up. You're you're in town for a couple of weeks after this. Say uh, when you get home. I am. I've got a whole bunch of stuff in town uh, in Toronto, but. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, looking forward to uh, just spending uh, some time there and catch local companies and folks. So, yeah. All right. Well, what do you say we jump into the five stories here, Steve, and then uh, we'll let you get back to your family and breakfast. I hear, I hear the, uh, the buffet calling. The buffet's calling, and I can't wait to get to uh, my, my favorite part of the buffet is the, uh, the, uh, you know, the fried plantains. So. <laughs> so mine would be the smoothie bar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, You're on uh, vacation. I'm a plantain guy, so, you know. What can I say? I love it. You make me want to come down there right away. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get. We got. Five, we're going to go through five stories. We're going to get through as many as we can before the uh, bandwidth starts to taper off. And it's my turn to start, and I get to start right now with the first story. Not so fast. Before we get to those stories, we need to get paid. So here is a message from our sponsor. It is time to talk to you about our sponsor, Thinknear. I guess I could tell you what they do. But I like to put people on the spot, so I asked a bunch of ThinkNear employees what their company does. My name is Lauren Hilberg, and I am the President and General Manager of ThinkNear. I'm John Hinnigan. I'm the VP of Software Engineering for ThinkNear. Lucas Dickey is my name, and I am Vice President of Product at ThinkNear. Brett Cohn, I am the VP of Marketing for ThinkNear. ThinkNear is a location-based advertising network. Um, I was described as being you know, location-based advertising, so hitting the right user, um, at the right place with the right message. So ThinkNear is a technology platform that focuses on mobile advertising. We specialize in delivering advertising solutions uh, for our customers that focus on location. We provide our clients and customers a great opportunity to get their advertising directly to the individuals who are most likely to act on it, primarily based on where they are at the time they receive the advertising. At our core, what we're trying to do is connect brands and agencies with mobile consumers on their phones. Not so bad, but how about you give it to us in plain English? So with my wife and her friends who don't really get into the, the how the sausage is made, I'm like, you know, when you get the message that seems to be um, exactly what you, you are near or whatever seems to suggest to you that, hey, you should be doing this thing or taking advantage of this thing because it's nearby, that's us. Um, I say, you know, they'll go, that seems a little creepy. And I'll say, well, you're also more likely to engage with the thing that resonates with you too, right? And they go, yeah, that's true. So I think, you know, there's the market catching up to the creepy factor, um, but also making sure that the message, you know, resonates with them. And if it doesn't, then they're, you know, it's not going to get their attention. So that's what we do. And now you know how the Think Near Sausage gets made. 
And now, back to the show. And it's my turn to start, and I get to start right now with the first story. All right, I get to kick it off with our first story, and that is about a company called Screen Pop. Actually, it's about a company called Locket. And Locket is the uh, owner of, uh, of Screen Pop. It's the app that they just released. They did a beta of this uh, leading up to this where they had 15,000 users. And ultimately, what Screen Pop is, it allows you to send photos, annotated photos or emojis or doodles or anything like that to a, another Android user's lock screen. So it bypasses the entire app ecosystem, basically allows you to send it directly to the lock screen on, on Android. Uh, Locket is a company that raised $3.2 million. Now, their origin was in pushing ads to lock screens and then allowing you, the user, to interact with that lock screen and decide whether or not you wanted to interact with that ad at all, get a benefit, either a payment or a discount or something to that effect. They made the switch over to what is now Screen Pop, which is just sending photos and emojis and doodles. And ultimately, what that led to was one of the best apps of 2014 and has now reached about a million downloads. So this is something that's actually uh, uh, pretty cool. It shows what is happening with this uh, notification economy that we've always talked about. It adds a whole contextual layer. Say a Seif who is in Punta Cana can send me pictures of him from the beach and little doodles like ha-ha, and then I can actually reciprocate by sending him pictures of me outside shoveling six feet of snow. See how it works? It is absolutely beautiful. So that is a company called Locket and Screen Pop. Now, Locket, as I said, they raised $3.2 million, which included investments from Tyra Banks, Turner Broadcasting, Great Oaks, and other New York City angel investors. So that is Locket and their app, Screen Pop. Okay, so uh, our second story for this week is um, from Sweden, as I had alluded to earlier, and uh, it involves uh, Unilever, a uh, big uh, FMCG company. Uh, and specifically, one of their uh, one of their brands, Knorr, the uh, K N O R, which is a, a soup brand, and uh, they've done some very something very thing very thing very very interesting using beacons uh, this week. And so, uh, again, this has hap- happened in Sweden uh, back in November. What they did was is they had uh, a number of uh, food trucks kind of rolling around, uh, offering samples of uh, Knorr soups to to people in the streets of uh, of Stockholm. And um, what was interesting about this is the people serving the soups and the trucks themselves had beacons uh, built into them. And uh, they had a partnership with a local uh, newspaper uh, organization called Afton Bladet, uh, which is uh, one of the biggest newspapers uh, in, the, in the region. And if you as a consumer already had this app on your, on your phone, basically as you came in proximity of one of the food trucks or the people serving out the free soups, um, it was basically tracking you or picking up uh, your signal via the beacons that, again, because the SDK had already been embedded in this, uh, in this newspaper app that you already had on your phone. They weren't pushing you any messages. They weren't doing sort of the normal traditional, uh, you, you know, uh, here's an offer or coupon uh, because you're, you're near the beacon. They were simply tracking the fact that you had come in proximity of this, uh, this nor uh, soup sampling experience. And then, uh, when you were at home, uh, or wherever you were, uh, the next time that you opened up the Afton Bladet app on your device, up comes a, uh, a coupon or, or an offer, uh, if you will, for uh, Knorr Soup. So it's a little bit of an ad retargeting uh, experience that, uh, that we're, they were bringing to you in this context. And so I like it because it's, uh, you know, like Unicast that we talked about the other week, 
you know, we're starting to see this mix between uh, what happens in the physical world and what happens in the in sort of the digital uh, uh, mobile online world, if you will. Uh, and so here's an actual example of a brand doing this. Love what these guys are doing. Uh, at our launch in Sweden, I got to meet Frida, uh, uh, who's uh, from Shipstead, one of the big agencies, the agency actually behind this project. So uh, she shared a little bit about that experience uh, in, at the event as well. So excited to see that this stuff is happening. Excited to see that we're finding other use cases uh, for beacons beyond, you know, just pushing messages directly when you walk into a store. And here you have, you know, the, the beacon tracking you basically logging it in the app that's linked to that beacon and then later on at some other time uh, when you open the app uh, a retargeting experience happens so very cool that's uh, Unilever's Knorr uh, soup division uh, in Sweden tied in with the Afton Bladet app and all of this by the way is powered by Glimmer uh, that's the technology behind this that they're using G-L-I-M-R uh, so kudos to those guys great work our next story involves Esri. They have launched something called ArcGIS, which is an open data website. Uh, this is this is a pretty amazing thing. It's a new site that is aimed to help citizens discover organizations sharing open data around the world and provide direct access to that data through a web browser or through a mobile device. So you can actually search, download, filter, and visualize this data, which is pretty, pretty amazing. So since July 2014, which is last July, more than 1,200 organizations from all levels of government, including the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the cities of Raleigh, North Carolina, Tampa, Florida, Charlotte, North Carolina, and some cities in Japan, have used Esri's uh, data to configure custom open data sites to serve local citizens and businesses, which is pretty amazing. So this is like basically a warehouse of data, of open data sets. Now, the public can search across all these sites to find authoritative data by location and topic. This is very significant because of this open data movement that is happening on, you know, across most cities. And this is a significant investment by Esri to be able to bring this and aggregate all this data together for us, for we, the common people. So that's Esri launching ArcGIS open data website. Our uh, next story here, this is the, uh, the fourth story uh, for today, is about uh, a company we haven't talked about for a long time, Rockbot, uh, San Francisco uh, startup in the uh, location-based music uh, uh, space. Um, featured these guys a long time ago uh, when they first launched uh, in, in Gap stores and concerts. And now they've launched a sort of uh, a slightly you know, tweaked version of their app, if you will, uh, or service layered on top of their app called Rockbot Anthem. Uh, that's spelled, as you expect, A-T-H-E-M. And uh, Rockbot, if you don't know them, uh, they're, they're a company, I guess I said, in the music and location space, backed by Universal Music uh, and Google Ventures. Um, and what Anthem is doing is basically tying the Rockbot app to Beacons as well. Uh, so there's a lot this week about Beacons. Uh, as you might expect, they're, they're a really hot topic at the moment. Uh, and so what we have happening here is basically as you walk into a venue, a music venue or a retail store, uh, and you happen to have the Rockbot app, the Beacon picks you up in this context. And what it does is it looks at your music preferences and tastes that you have stored within the Rockbot app and kind of matches that up against the profile of the venue or the store, wherever you might be at, at, the, at the given moment. Uh, and then automatically pushes a song recommendation, if you will, uh, not just a recommendation; it pushes a song in directly in, into into uh, in, into the uh, into the system. If they're using Rockbot as a jukebox, uh, for example, in the restaurant venue, uh, it'll take a song from your library 
Um, and as long as it matches the taste of the venue, it'll add it to the queue, if, if you will, of jukebox. So it's an automatic song um, uh, push type of feature, basically, that's uh, enabled by proximity to the beacon. So very, very cool stuff. Uh, look, uh, you know, I'm always excited about when we see these kinds of things, these, these experiences that aren't just coupons and discounts, you know, uh, the spam kind of stuff, but, you know, other content-based experiences. So uh, love what the Rock Club uh, guys are doing there as well. So that's, uh, that's really good. Really cool. This seems like the best time to bring a New York Times business best-selling author, Chuck Martin. He does a daily over at Media Post, and his insight into Beacons is so important to the community. Here he is talking about what Groupon's entry into Beacons means to the industry. Take it away, Chuck. The big guns are getting in in Beacons in a big way. It's it's behemoth land. Um, recently, Shazam uh, partnered with Gimbal, the the, the obviously the, the Beacon maker out in California, uh, to add Beacon functionality to the app, which has been downloaded well over a hundred million times. Uh, also, within the last few weeks. Facebook announced a trial in New York. They've got about, oh, I think, eight or nine stores have beacons, and, and Facebook is, is tying into those. And people who have Facebook are using place tips, and they can shut it off or opt in at any time, of course. So, I mean, all these things are opt-in, obviously. Uh, and now Groupon has announced in its, its, its conference call with analysts that they're going to let merchants use beacons uh, to launch targeted promotions. So people are going to be receiving more and more messages as they sort of move around through the, their shopping experience. Uh, one of the drivers of this is is obviously some of the success we've seen from the past year. At, at the recent Media Post IoT Beacons Conference, uh, Hillshire Brands, which, which got acquired by Tyson Foods near the end of last year, uh, David Irvin, the vice president of marketing at Tyson Foods, uh, said that, that the they launched a program to launch a new product and within the first 48 hours they hit the entire target for the whole campaign in the first 48 hours and in terms of purchase intent it went up 20x we're not talking 20 percent we're talking 20 times uh purchase intent so uh Shazam, Groupon, Facebook, all these guys, they, they see these kinds of numbers and say, we better kind of test this. And again, people other than people who are listening here will likely not hear the word beacon, but they will be beaconed. I want to thank Chuck for letting us use that clip here on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. And if you like that stuff, I implore you, go to untether.tv forward slash MCM for more episodes like that. Now, let's get back to the stories. Our next story involves Apple Pay... Not 1.0, 2.0. Uh, as we are actually just, I thought we were still embracing 1.0, but apparently Apple doesn't stop innovating. And the moment, momentum, I just want to lead into this story with a little bit of a momentum for Apple Pay. It's crazy, the adoption rate right now. Uh, the U.S. government announced this week that they are actually going to accept Apple Pay, not only them, but also at all the national parks across the country by next year, by sometime actually, not next year, this summer. Uh, JetBlue became the first company, the first airline to accept Apple Pay. And nearly half of all the retailers that have, were asked anyways plan to adopt Apple Pay in the next year as well. So huge momentum for Apple Pay. And now they're starting to think about what is next for Apple Pay 2.0. So the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office published a patent application from Apple recently 
that revealed a new Apple Pay feature set. And this includes things like a complete wallet, which is so important, obviously. Some people think that the mobile wallet is important. But when you own payments, the next evolution is obviously the wallet. Uh, and it will have coupons, which is very important. And I always thought that that's what Passbook would do, which is the integration here. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, it'll also involve loyalty and new ticketing functionality. And will also uh, include a lower power, lower NFC power mode feature, which will be very useful to uh, obviously elongate battery power and cons uh, you know reduce consumption in battery. But the big ones are a complete wallet. They'll have coupons. They'll have loyalty. It'll all be integrated into uh, their Apple Pay service. And I'm, we're, the only thing I think we're trying to figure out is where this fits into Passbook and the Passbook strategy, because that's a very powerful uh, piece of uh, software that resides on every single Apple device on the planet. So Apple Pay 2.0 is here. We'll soon see, I suppose, because they've, they've filed a patent with the USPTO. The last story I want to share today, uh, our sixth story, is uh, from Guidekick. Uh, Guidekick, uh, is, you might not have heard of these guys. There's an app basically called the Guidekick app. And what they're doing is, is en enabling people to uh, tour, uh, travel, uh, visualize uh, other parts of the world. Uh, but not just, you know, here's what's happening in San Francisco right now, or here's what's happening in Machu Picchu right now, or, or in the Dominican Republic like I am. But to experience these things in a historical, visual way. Um, and so what Guidekick has done is... Um, Basically, uh, the three guys behind this, um, the, they, um, they come from sort of the attraction world, so Golden Gate Bridge and, and, and other places. And so they've taken music and narration, uh, and as, as guys in, from the tourist industry, interactive 3D maps have all been combined together uh, to create a, uh, you know, a visual, experiential understanding of a place uh, that you might want to, to tour or experience. Um, and so... Um, yeah, this this is really interesting. So it's a uh, uh, it's live in the App Store right now. I, so just look for Guidekick app um, and uh, check it out. It's uh, also um, got uh, some involvement from Andrew Mason, the uh, former uh, CEO and co-founder of Groupon, is involved in this as well. Uh, as as he's uh, you know, he's he's in a similar space uh, called Detour, which is a uh, uh, an audio walking tour. Uh, so there's a lot going on in this space, this whole space of sort of travel discovery, uh, journaling, uh, travel journaling uh, that's happening right now. So uh, take a look at the uh, Guidekick app. It's G-U-I-D-E-C-K-I-C-K uh, uh, app um, and uh, experience a new place in a, in a whole new immersive three-dimensional uh, historical way. Our next story involves jewelry. In fact, a jewelry project called Fans on Foot, and it literally is a bracelet. It's a pretty big bracelet that I'll show you in a second in a video. And the, the, the premise of the bracelet is that if you are a super fan of a television show or a movie, literally a super fan, and you want to be notified when you walk past something of significance during that television show, or that happened in that movie, it will notify you. And it does a bunch of things around that, and you'll see it in the video in a second, or you'll listen to it in the video if you're listening to this. But the prototype also features a built-in camera, so the reactions of fans when they receive these little surprise notifications can be captured and analyzed by staff and might wind up being a permanent asset to images being shared between users. The whole goal is here to create a community of people that love a show, love a movie, that wear these things, that share the experience uh, amongst each other, share their photos, and 
uh, obviously create this tiny little community around these television shows. So picture, you're walking down the street, maybe it's a uh, Sopranos, you're a huge Sopranos fan, maybe you're a Game of Thrones fan, or maybe you're a, I don't know, Lord of the Rings fan, and you wear this thing and you will actually get a tour. Uh, you can actually have literally a tour of all the different places that are part of the film or the television show. So watch this and you'll see what fans on foot this jewelry project really is. Fans on Foot is a project that looks into the role that digital technology can play in enhancing um, the connection between fans and uh, their favourite TV programme or film franchise or whatever it might be, um, whilst they visit locations that are significantly linked to that. It's about the relationship between the fan and the object. It's about the relationship between the fan and their fandom, and it's also about the relationship between fans within that fandom. It can direct users to different locations uh, that, that are of interest to their fandom, and it can keep a record of that, which the uh, user can then review later, or if they wish, share it with others. By having this piece of technology that feels as though it might belong within that particular programme or movie, um, and it gives you information about where you are, why that is significant, um, how that help or may play a role in um, people's sense of connection to their fan object whilst they are in that particular location. It's bringing them into the story when they're out and about. It's almost like a reminder. So you could be wearing the object and actually, you know, you've had it for a while, you're actually forgetting it's there, but then suddenly you could either stumble across the location and the alert happens and suddenly you're in that fandom, in recreating that kind of scenario. There you have it. We managed to get seven stories in. Those are the top seven of the week. If yours wasn't in there, of course, that is your fault. Reach out to us, rob at untether.tv or seif at thelbma.com. Here's the opportunity for you now to support Untether.tv. There are three ways. Obviously, if you are just interested in the podcast and you want to give us a five-star rating or review wherever you download this podcast, please do so. We would really appreciate it. And of course, take a screen grab of that review if you've written something and send it to me, Rob at Untether.tv. The second way you can do that, of course, is to go to Untether.tv forward slash Patreon to uh, just, you know, I don't know, give us a couple of bucks a month, five, six, ten, twenty, a hundred dollars a month. We We'd love you forever if you can contribute and support Untether.tv and this podcast. And the third thing to do is obviously sponsor this. It's about a billion dollars an episode, but it is worth it. You will reach more people than just your mother, which is probably what you're reaching right now. Reach out to me, Robin Untether.tv, if you'd like to sponsor the show. And now it's time for our featured guest. Well, it's that time of week where we get to bring on a special guest on uh, on the show. And this week it's RJ Talier from. Geophedia. He is the VP of Products. Uh, welcome to uh, to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excellent. Well, it's uh, you guys have been involved with the LBMA for a little while, so it's uh, it's uh, kind of timely that uh, that we have you on the show now, especially given that uh, your uh, Geophedia is going to be one of the sponsors at our upcoming retail logo. So we're excited about that uh, as you join us uh, at South by Southwest. But maybe there's a few people, the one or two who haven't heard yet, who Geophedia is. Uh, why don't you tell folks uh, what you're all about? Sure, yeah. Uh, Geophedia is a location-based social media intelligence platform 
we enable our customers to create a lens around any area or location that matters to them and then uh, really listen and engage with the content that comes through social media in those locations. We listen to eight different social networks and allow customers to listen, sort, filter, and then understand what's going on uh, in those locations on social media. Excellent. And I, I assume this is the kind of thing that uh, a brand might want to listen to a conversation that's happening around maybe some sponsorship that they're doing or you know, around a particular event that they're hosting. Um, can you give us uh, potentially uh, an example of, uh, of you know, uh, an experience like that that you've, you've had? Sure. You know, uh, our customers and brands use us for everything from social media listening and monitoring to um, uh, sourcing user-generated content to um, event management, um, you know, ranging from college sports games to the Super Bowl to um, a, a good example also is uh, the Mall of America. They use Geophedia to um, listen to the largest mall in, in the U.S. Yes, and uh, they have geofeeds placed around all of the different uh, locations at the Mall of America to watch for people who are tweeting out things like, hey, I'm going shopping today with uh, my friends. And maybe they aren't mentioning at Mall of America or a hashtag that the, uh, the social media team there is listening for, but they say it within the walls of the Mall of America. And that enables the, uh, the social media team there to do their surprise and delight program. So if you're going on a shopping trip with your mom or maybe it's a bachelorette party or you can actually even get married at the, social, at the, the Mall of America. Really? I'm not sure if you know they had a chapel. But uh, they'll do uh, intercepts. So they'll go up with flowers or uh, balloons or even just replying back to individuals um, on social media. So uh, uh, Mall of America uses Geophedia to find those conversations and those ways to surprise and delight customers while they're in the physical location, um, which is that giant space of Mall of America. So, um, you know, it, it can be used for a number of different use cases, but uh, social media listening, event management, um, as well as sourcing user-generated content are the three big ways that uh, our customers and, uh, you know, brands in the marketing space use it. Fantastic, and I assume it's not just for the marketing space. I mean, uh, I, I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm hearing obvious uh, opportunities for the news uh, media world as well. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have a number of customers across many verticals. Uh, we work with journalism and news organizations like CNN, the Associated Press, and BBC for sourcing um, uh, content on the ground where they don't have news agencies, um, as well as breaking news. They can use Geophedia to find out things that are happening real-time in places, ranging from the uh, Paris manhunts to um, the Ferguson protests. The, all these news organizations are using Geophedia to find content of people who are on the ground there. Um, we work with public safety organizations who use Geophedia for situational response to um, understand what's going on on the ground um, at uh, a critical time. If there's a, a, a particularly disastrous event or a monsoon or a tornado, they can go in with Geophedia to understand what's going on on the ground. Uh, and then we also work with corporate security teams. Um, corporate security teams use Geophedia to do things like executive protection for international travel, as well as for supply chain management. So uh, monitoring factories and other uh, places where things can go missing or um, um, other events can happen. So they can, they can use it to understand, again, what's going on um, uh, in those locations across the world. Fantastic. That's great. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, you, the platform is so applicable in so many different areas. But the, um, okay, so, so I mean, retail, uh, brand applications, event, uh, you know, sort of uh, tagging and, and, and looking at things like that. 
You mentioned the diversity of platforms that you're tracking. So I assume that's things like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Facebook yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. We, we monitor the top places where people post social content. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Flickr, Flickr Picasa. Um, and uh, we're adding more data sources every day just depending on when customers ask us for it. And we listen to the publicly available data. So um, anything that is publicly tagged as, or excuse me, that is location tagged and publicly yes. available. That tends to be about 20 to 30% of social media data out there. Um, that we can source, and you know that might seem like a little bit of the data, of uh, the full picture. But um, we recently published an infographic on the Super Bowl, and actually taking a look at what people were talking about at the University of Phoenix Stadium during the Super Bowl Forty Nine. And sixty-six percent of the posts from the actual Super Bowl didn't have the word Super or Bowl or the hashtag SB Forty Nine Patriots or Seahawks in it. So we know that there's a huge, huge amount of data that's not using hashtags or keywords that individuals and brands really want to understand. And the Super Bowl is just one good example of, of um, you know, how that comes to life. So you know, brands are looking for the conversations about them in locations like their retail stores or in locations that matter. You know, they may be missing two -thir up to two-thirds of the conversation. Um, so that's why we think Geophedia and location-based social media intelligence. Yeah, that's so great. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. one last question before I let you go. The the uh, you know so obviously this is still an emerging space. Uh, there's lots of opportunity in it, but if you had to kind of put it, like looking at the crystal ball a little bit, you know, sort of 12, 18 months out, you know, what's next for this type of, of monitoring, location based, you know, social media data collection and monitoring? I think it's all about uh, uh, creating context for organizations to create these really relevant and rich. Uh, engagements and conversations and you know, journeys are the word that, that, that we've heard a lot in the space lately. But how can we use the fact that, Asif, maybe you went to um, two different uh, store locations of a brand, a retailer, and you were tweeting or posting from those locations? How can that be used in a cross-channel marketing campaign? Um, you know, maybe you complained in both of those locations. Does that make you a more attractive or less attractive potential customer? Or how can we create some programs to maybe turn those into really positive experiences? I think all, all of this data, big data or small data or however you want to call it, all this data is going to help us as marketers create those contextual experiences that um, really end up creating awesome experiences for our end customers and the consumer. Yeah, definitely context is, is really important and we're seeing you know, all the brands start to think about that location being obviously central uh, mm -hmm. to, to sort of powering you know, what we deliver in a context uh, framework, but uh, you can't do it without location. But uh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, again, for our audience, we've been speaking with RJ Tallier, the VP of Products for Geophedia. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes out of your day. Thank you. All right, Asif, I think, I think we've done what we can for episode number 221. It's a pretty unique episode of this turned out. Uh, just bandwidth constraints and all, we decided to do it the way that we did. Hopefully you found uh, that valuable. Obviously you did because you're sticking around to the end of the show. Maybe you just wanted to see what it would be like, a train wreck of lack of Wi-Fi. Uh, mm. I, I think it goes to show you that um, we need more connectivity around the world. And companies like Google and Facebook who are uh, trying to bring connectivity to the unconnected, uh, I think is very important, obviously, right here. Just so we can get our show done, right? I, I agree. I mean, it's uh, it'd be amazing if we just had like super high speed bandwidth all over the place, and uh, then then Rob and I wouldn't have to struggle to get the show out every week, right? It's, exactly. it's, it's, but uh, anyways, it's uh, it's good to do this with you every week, Rob. We haven't missed an episode yet. Nope. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, we endeavor never to never to miss one. So. 
Oh, you know, you could have tethered your uh, iPhone. I'm pretty sure that would have cost you, you know, only a couple of oh, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's it. True. Yeah, that's true. We don't have that kind of agreement. Well, safe, uh, safe travels. The, the sponsors aren't quite supporting that yet. No, exactly. That would have blown our, our, our the three-year budget for sponsorship right here just on that phone call. So uh, please don't don't do that. Uh, Asif, listen, safe travels. Enjoy the rest of your the vacation with your family. Um, and, uh, of course, we're going to connect for episode number 222 next weekend from the comfy confines of uh, Toronto and uh, high bandwidth, high light, great connectivity, and a good mic. Uh, right? That's next week? That's the plan. All right. Uh, Asif, safe travels, my friend, and we will see you next week for episode number 222. See you later, everybody. All right.